0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, how are you?
1: Doing good, man. Getting ready for getting ready for the knolls to get re- to to get things started. But um, I kind of feel bad for what you're going through right now. I mean, it can't be as bad as what the Baltimore Orioles beat writers are going through right now with 18 straight. But still, a full week of defeats isn't isn't fun to watch. So hang in there, man.
0: Yeah, in the spirit of the bare naked Ladies, I feel like I just do it. It's been one week since the Marlins won, and I'll just (laughs) stop there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: But on the bright side, I will say... But accurate. Yeah, I will say my four days in Cincinnati did come with a Saturday (laughs) post-game concert of 90s hip-hop throwback. Got to see Naughty by Nature, Vanilla Ice...
1: Look at Vanilla Ice was there. Oh, my Vanilla God. Vanilla Ice was there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I mean, even the Flagler Greyhound track doesn't get Vanilla Ice. I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a get for Cincinnati. Yeah, so Great
0: American Ballpark, great place, 15th and final National League ballpark I had to get to. I'm down to, I think, nine total to finish up, which I'll have about three years, depending on how the Marlins' schedule plays out. But we'll get to all that in a little bit. We have a lot more important news to share. Uh, The Marlins announced on Monday that it's finally Edward Cabrera time. He's getting a call up, he's coming to the show. He is scheduled to start on Wednesday night against the Washington Nationals at Lone Depot Park. Dre, you told me to let you know when Edward Cabrera is starting. Well, he's starting.
1: There he is at long last, finally. What did it take? What did it take, Jordan? Where, Where are we? Late August? Yep. Well,
0: enough, it's going to be just about, it's going to be a year and two days after Sixo Sanchez made his debut last year. He made it August 23rd, 2020. Coincidentally also against the nationals. Edward will be August 25th, 2021.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's finally time. And look, a lot of things have happened to him when it comes to, you know, injuries, we've seen it up and ups and downs, but the important thing is the time is now. We're finally going to get to see someone that you know we've been eagerly anticipating because of just the type of pitcher that he is. I mean, he's he's it's similar to in the sense of to 6 though. We have talked about it, you know, with, in terms of the velocity, the kind of pitch arsenal that he has. This is another guy who can be a frontline starter if all goes well for them. So again, the excitement level should be there. It's warranted, and I think I you know I really want to see if this is going to be. Similar to Sixto in the sense that, is he going to come in and is he going to have success right away? Or is it going to be a little different, you know, in the sense of, you know, is he going to have his struggles early on? I think I think he has a chance to do something similar. Obviously, it's not going to be during a playoff stretch the way the way it was for Sixto. But still important starts. Again, this is the theme of what's left of this, uh, you know, miserable season for them, is to get as many uh, moments like these as possible, as much development time as possible for their key guys and Edward is, you know, at or near the top of that list for sure. So this is going to be a very productive thing the rest of the way for this franchise.
0: Yeah. Edward Cabrera, he's ranked number 30 overall in all baseball in MLB pipelines, latest updates, number two person in the Marlin system, just below first round pick Khalil Watson. He jumped sick. He jumped six though. He jumped Max Meyer. He jumped all of them based off of, well, obviously six. So got dropped down a little bit because of just the injury and not, not playing this year with the shoulder injury and the ultimate surgery that knocked him out before he threw a pitch, but yeah. Edward Cabrera, there have been people even going back as early as the start of 2020 who felt like Edward could, could and would potentially jump over Sixto as the top prospect in the system. Like you mentioned, their stuff is fairly similar. Both have fastballs that hit triple digits. They have plus change up to play off the fastballs. Uh, Edward Slider has improved dramatically over the last couple of years. He has another breaking pitch that he can weave in there as well for four really solid pitches. And as you mentioned, the main thing is if he stays healthy and if everything works out, he'll have, he'll have about six starts during this final stretch of the season. Now, not the biggest sample size, but it's enough of the sample size to start getting a gauge for the Marlins to have to start figuring out a game plan going into the offseason and into 2022, where and if everything works out like they were trying to hope for this year, he could be a high-end part of this rotation that already has a lot of really good pieces in it already.
1: Well, look, I'm looking at MLB Pipeline's profile on him right now. Fastball, we know, is 65. They grade the slider at 60. They grade the changeup at 55. But I remember when I was at baseball, when I was talking – Writing for Baseball America, excuse me, the changeup rave reviews. I mean, there were some people that thought it even had the potential to be even like a seventy changeup, like it was that good. And they thought, it felt like that was the separator when it came to him. Was that yes, he's got the fastball, got the velo, but if he if that change really came along, maybe even if it wasn't maybe seventy, but you know, to the point where maybe even you know, on sixty. Three plus pitches is always the the big thing, you know. Whenever you're talking about a starter, especially a frontline starter, if you have them not just above average, but but really plus pitches like that, you're that's deadly to have at the top of any rotation. So I mean, he's very comparable to Sixto. I could see why, with all the issues that that Sixto's had in the last few months, why he's jumped them now by a couple spots. But I think if the fact that if if they can ever get Sixto back on the field and and right. Now you've got the potential to have those two, like you said. I mean, that, that's that's exciting stuff for them in terms of the rotation. Then Max Meyer coming along and the rest. I mean, that that's what the vision was to have this great rotation put together with with those two guys. You know, I, we were you know a couple of years ago uh, we were writing ahead and saying the all Dominican front three is going to be Sandy, him, and Sixto. It hasn't worked out that way yet, but there's still a chance, and this is exciting to see his part of it. You know, potentially start to come to fruition now.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Sandy 6-0, Cabrera. You got Trevor Rogers, who's had a great rookie year so far. We're gonna talk a little bit more about him in the second half of the show. Max Meyer having a pretty strong first year in the organization. Jake Eder having a pretty good strong first year in the organization. You still have Pablo Lopez, still have Eliezer Hernandez.
1: Where are the bats, man? Yeah. That's what that's what worries me. Where are yeah, the bats?
0: That's the main thing. And that kind of weaves us into part two of this part as we talk more about the minor leaguers and the guys who are going to, as the Marlins hope to become pieces in the long-term, in the long-term we're nearing September 1st where rosters expand. We're going to see a few more guys on the roster. It's different this year in compared to years past where the roster size is capped at 28 compared to, in the past where you were able, basically anybody on your 40 man was able to come up for the final month.
1: Right. Now they have to be selective We bring up. there are very, only two, two extra guys.
0: Yeah. Only two extra guys. And there's also the balance of with this year, with the minor league season getting pushed back a month, triple a season runs into till early October, just like yeah, the you can Red, get more or, games down there now. Is, yeah. yeah. So the big league season, the triple a season are both the same, which sort of puts the Marlins in the catch 22 situation where, Normally the guys who get called up are brought up because the minor league season's over. So you give them the chance to get some at bats here, some of bats there. Right. Whereas in triple a, some of your guys who you normally would bring up just to get some extra bats can still be playing every day down there. Right. Which brings them into that spot where they've basically been with the main guy who I think deserves a call up first baseman, Leyland Diaz. Do they right. bring him up to the big league to say, we want to see where he is, even though he's not starting every day or do they keep him in triple a and say we want him to keep playing every single day they've right. sort of been teetering those two thought processes which sort of makes it a tough decision for a guy specifically like laywin where you want to see both things but really you have to pick one of the two
1: yeah no doubt i mean normally it's a no-brainer like you said but i mean i, I almost would think you don't because of the fact that he can get more at bats unless you're going to have enough quality at up, up there for him you know enough opportunities up there for him which i think at this point he warrants that to have that entire month of september to get big league experience but if that's not in the cards and you're not going to do that then you shouldn't then you might as well leave him down there to keep working on it keep get, keep doing well i mean look the batting average is nothing special but don't look at that look at the ops you know isn't bad 865 i think the the most interesting thing More than half of his hits going for extra bases. I think that just shows you right there the kind of production that he can bring in the major league lineup eventually. And again, you know, I go back to first base. The way he can play first base already as a rookie is pretty darn impressive. You know, defensively there, and that's been that was the always the review. Anyone I talked to, whether it was scouts in or out of the organization or coaches, was this guy's major league ready on the defensive side. So you felt comfortable putting him there knowing that you weren't going to have a hole there at first base or a concern of, can he handle it? That sort of thing. He was going to be stable enough to do that right off the bat. But you know, the ideal thing obviously would be give him the entire month of September. This is your future at the position. You bring them up and you let him play it out and, and, and just get as many of those reps as possible because maybe you're looking at by next year, who knows, you know, maybe you can, maybe he's already inserted and you have one of your future pieces. I mean, it's like we've been, we, we we had this projected team all around the diamond, all around the outfield by now. He's one of the few that has stayed on course and not had any hiccups and not have any serious setbacks, anything like that. So you'd like to see at least one of those guys finally entrench themselves into, into that spot.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the extra base hits. He has 18 home runs, 13 <coughs> doubles. That's 31 of his 60 hits, 48 RBI, 46 runs. He's looked the part there in AAA. we'll see what happens when call ups happen in about a week, but now the transition to other possible candidates to come up in September, they're kind of in a tricky spot. And when it comes to the position player wise, because you look at the infield outside of first base, you have, you already have a uh, Diaz who can play second and third. You have jazz playing second and short. You have Miggy at short, you have Anderson at third, and they're already in that four guys, three spots situation, sort of like, what they had with Aguilar, Cooper, and Duvall with first base right field earlier in the year. You look at the outfield, you have Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz, the two main guys they really need, they really want to get a lot of regular bats for. You have Lewis Brinson and Magnery Sierra, two guys who had been here for a while, they're out of options, this is really their last shot. And you have Jorge Alfaro, who they're splitting between first base left field and catcher to – give him some versatility, whether that's for him with the team long-term, whether it's to increase potential trade value in case they don't want to, in case they want to try to find a way to, to find a trade for him before they have to go into arbitration with him again. But that's still already five guys for three spots, which makes it tough to bring, try to justify bringing another outfielder in there, even though there's a case for a Monty Harrison for his last shot, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Right.
0: That really just leaves pitching to bring up, whether it's, bringing up the guys who have been floating up and down Jordan Holloway, Nick Knighter to fill out bullpen spots down the stretch or rotate guys in and out of the rotation and not have to bring them back down to AAA or mm. just filling up the bullpen. But it's hard to see anything outside of, outside of Laywin it seems hard to see anything in terms of position players coming up for that final month.
1: No, I agree with you. I think, and, and you're always going to need bullpen arms, especially down the stretch There's going to be games that I think they're going to you know you're going to need the burn innings, that sort of thing. So, I, I see it being, I see the, them going the pitcher route with with that part of it. But I would like to see. I mean, you're. You, I know we're going to talk about some of these guys, what they've done in the minors. But I don't know if he's ready yet necessarily. But I'd like, to see even if it was just a brief, you know, call up. Now, I'm not saying he gets the entire month or anything like that. But maybe just a little little taste of the majors for a guy. Maybe like, you know. Burdick or Cameron Meisner you know just 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 get them up and and, and maybe see what they can do something like that I mean I to me you you look at Meisner now I mean he's getting on base he's getting more consistent was a 24 game on base streak right now he's hitting 316 down there five home runs nine multi-hit games he's on a pretty good stretch right now I mean but again you don't want to rush guys up either so I get that part of it, especially if you're. They don't jammed. want to start
0: their. They don't want to start the service time clock either on some of these guys, like Meisner, for example. Exactly. exactly. Just last year, he's also in high A.
1: Right, and that's the thing. Like you look at all these guys, you don't want to you don't want to rush them and give them a chance too early, and you don't. You definitely that, to, to me that's always one of the most important things, and we've talked about it a bunch. When people are like, "Oh, can't wait to see somebody," it's like, "Yeah, why do you want to burn that when you can save all that service time?" Let's say for next season and by then bring them up, something like that. I mean, I know the fans are antsy to see, and then I keep, even I'm telling you a minute ago, where are the bats, where are the bats? Well, a lot of cases, they're just not ready yet, and I think people are going to have to be, you know, if you're if you're still bought in to this entire grand plan of, of theirs, it's going to take until at least next year to see some of them. But in the meantime, circling back, I, I'm with you, and I think you'll see the Holloways and the Nighters continue to get work because – Again, down the stretch, they're going to have a lot of these games where they're going to have to use a lot of arms. And in order to do that, you're going to have to fill spots, and that's a perfect opportunity for those guys to continue to, to develop.
0: Yeah, and to do our minor league recap, since we're so heavy on the minors in the, the front half of the show, let's just knock out some of these other highlights. You mentioned Cam Eisner, the 24-game on base streak, multi-hit games and nine out nine of those 24 games. The part that's impressing, probably the most in that, 112 play appearances just 21 strikeouts yeah percent strikeout I,
1: and that's him. what i mean i know i i you know I, I may have jumped the gun a little bit in terms of the level he's at right now but i just think he's progressing and eventually maybe next season could you could you, you'd like to see him take a leap based on that you know what he's been able to accomplish and the consistency that he seems to be having at the plate
0: yeah and then a couple of the double a double a bats there uh, Griffin Conine hit three home runs over his final two games this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. He now has 34 home runs between class A advanced Beloit and double a Pensacola leads minor league minor league golf, home
1: run champ. Yep.
0: But he also has a healthy 152 strikeouts in 408 plate appearances.
1: And that's why he's not ready yet.
0: Yeah. Which is why, again, I know <laughs> everybody loves to talk the home runs and all of that. And I understand why you're getting hyped up and excited about the power, but you yep. also have to look at the other side of the coin. We do have to We have to see the reality of what's going on when the home runs aren't happening, and what's going on with the rest of the at bats as well. I talked with Griffin right before he got promoted to Double A. He he acknowledged that his strikeout rate is too high. He knows he has to to work on it, but you can tell that that's still a work in progress.
1: Yeah, you can tell. I mean, little by little, I think. I mean, I, the problem is like you see it's a little bit alarming when you see guys that, that it has that drastic of a spread, you know what I mean? But that's what the, that's what this timing is for. I mean, you hope he can find it. Conine of course, though, not one of those younger, younger prospects. So he has been at this for a little bit already. So that's, this is already kind of like similar to Monte Harrison and you know, where you want to already see some tangible progress and hope that they can turn out to be what you're hoping for. But you know, the longer it goes, the longer it goes, you hope it's something where they're just not figuring it out or maybe this is the player that they're going to be you know is it good enough to, to get to where they want to get to I mean that's time will tell and I think he's another one that going in the next season we'll see more of but I think if you dive diving a little lower into the system here good to see that as you pointed out Dax Fulton and Yuri Perez both headed to Beloit especially Yuri Perez again that 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 high, that, that quick riser there that that's been getting a lot of buzz this season. Here you go. Another notch for, 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 for super tall Yuri Perez who is uh, coming on strong little by little there.
0: Yeah. Six foot eight Yuri Perez got moved up to number seven in the Marlin system by pipeline in their midseason report. I think he was like 17 or 18 to start the year. So yep. to see him rise 10, 11 spots, that's solid for him. Uh, his first start in Beloit, he gave up three unearned runs, with six strikeouts over five innings, 59. Pretty good. Two for strikes. So, again, pounding the strike zone just like he did back in Jupiter. Dax Fulton, uh, four runs, three earned in five innings, 71 pitches, 44 strikes, which, again, this first year for him, fresh out of high school, fresh off Tommy John surgery, just, again, this is the building learning stage for him, as we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast for Dax Fulton this year. And to go to the fresh, fresh group, the 2021 draft picks, Hmm. seven of their 20 signees are already in class a jupiter which again there's no short season so it's either rookie ball or low a so there's really there's no middleman anymore but of the group and again there's one two three four five of their picks in the top 10 rounds it's their 18th round pick bennett hostelter
1: who's just continuing to Hostelter.
0: yeah the infielder from bozeman
1: montana out of north dakota state I really uh, want to know—is he related to the Giants' quarterback from back in the day?
0: I would not be surprised. There's only so many Hostelters out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jeff Hostel. Oh, it's Hostelter. Okay, Hostelter. never mind. I, okay, I think I think I saw you had it Hostetler in another in another spelling there that yeah, threw my, me off. Never mind. The L
0: and the team might have been mixed up
1: one. Yeah, out. never mind. If he's Hostelter, that's not. Then never mind. No, I'm thinking Jeff Hostetler, who used to who won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Never mind.
0: Yeah, I'm actually double checking to make sure. Cause I think I spelled it both ways in
1: this. You probably time. have it right. Well, but anyway, back on point. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh,
0: H-O-S-T-E-T-L-E-R.
1: Also, it, it is, is Hostetler. It is Hostetler. Mm. Tet- okay.
0: Hostetler, not, not Hostelter.
1: Okay, so anyway. Hostetler puts uh Jeff back in, the, in the, as a possibility here. I, I got to find that out. But anyway.
0: I'll leave that to you and we'll circle back next week on that.
1: Yeah. Either way. <laughs> but,
0: Either way, he's impressing. Three thirty-three batting average, fourteen RBI, at least one hit in eleven of his first fifteen starts. Uh, last week alone, he went ten for twenty-three. That's four thirty-five, with two doubles, five RBI, and four runs scored.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty good first impression. Again, it's yeah. let's see what happens. from right, he played. He's been playing second and third base primarily, which again, good to see some initial work from him.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, any anytime you can find, the you know, those those hidden gems, especially in those lower rounds on day three, I mean, that's tremendous. I mean, I'm going to shamelessly throw a little uh, little plug to uh, Hunter Perdue, Mr. Seminole, who uh, came in and made his debut as well, the 10th round pick, you know, the, already on the mound out there for Jupiter. And, you know, you look at some others here, Chandler, Joswiak, am I saying that right?
0: 13th round know. pick? Yeah, from Altec saying m
1: from Texas A&M, also getting out there as well. I mean, any 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 kind of value you can get for picks like that, that's huge. I mean, that's what bolsters your organization for sure. But I mean, I, I go, you and I are both on the same page when it comes to, you know, a guy like Tanner Allen, fourth round pick. We definitely want to see what he can do down the stretch there, and uh, going down to the uh, the the, the no league that we love, the name, the Florida Complex League. It's good to finally see Khalil Watson. Actually, on out there and playing finally because I know it took a while to get him signed. But 368 batting average, 994 on base mark during his first OPS, week of pro ball.
0: 994 OPS.
1: Oh, you said uh, oh, okay, Our sorry, sorry. Slug, yeah. yeah, I misread that. But the slugging, the, the OPS is 994, even of course, even better anyway. I mean, that's it's only a week, but seven for 19 at the plate, six walks, eight runs, struck out just twice. I mean, you're kind of seeing a little bit of a of a of a taste of why there's so much hype surrounding this kid and why he's already surged to the top of a pretty good farm system and he's number one ranked already. I mean, that that just shows you the why the excitement, why what all the fuss is about, really. I mean, now it's a matter of him settling in and continuing to develop. Obviously, a little ways to go. You know, he just started, but it it, it just shows you the potential.
0: Yeah, and it's also going to be interesting to see how the Marlins balance what they do with him if they try to promote him to potentially Jupiter for that final stretch. Just considering how many middle infielders they already have at the lower levels. Jose Salas just got moved up to Jupiter. You still have Nassim Nunez, who he's been on the injured list for a little bit. Potentially see if he gets healthy, potentially moving him to high A to free up a spot. But with just the depth they have at the middle infielder position, especially on the lower levels. And again, this is where not having the short season kind of bites them in a little bit for the early stage of development where you have a guy like Khalil who you have at the rookie league right now, but kind of would want to see where, what how he would fit in at maybe a Jupiter or in that low a level, but may not have the spots for everyone who you want to see getting everyday reps.
1: Right. But I mean, you know, I think they can, I think they'll balance away. I think they'll figure out a way to do that you know, and Salas, I'm glad you mentioned, because I did, I did see that recently too. And and I've, for a while, ever since, you know, I got the chance to, to, to do a little bit of, 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 uh, you know, analysis on him and talking to scouts about him, that whole thing. It was like, he, he's, he was, he's still so young and it's still so far away. So it's hard to project, but there's a reason there's a, some excitement with him too. I mean, I, I I like the potential of him at the plate. I mean, I think a lot of these guys, you see the skill in terms of fielding in terms of the tools defensively. But I think he's one of the ones that kind of stood out where people projected his bat to come along really well. And I'm excited to see if, you know, what his first at bats are going to look like, what his first maybe month or so at that level is going to look like, and then so on and so on. But I think that he's the kind of, he's a player that was talked about. I mean, I know he's listed as a middle infielder at first you start thinking it's a shortstop, but, you never know. He does have the a little bit larger frame, or maybe maybe he plays second base instead. But either way, I really I had I, it was he was one of those that always stood out to me. Like he could be that future piece. He's still a long way to go because, again, what is he? I think he's not even eighteen yet. I think he's still is he's only uh, seventeen he, still. He turned eighteen in April. In a, oh, he did turn in eighteen. Okay, but he's still eighteen years old, so it's still a little ways to go. But uh, he, the, again, that. The potential there for him to finally be one of these guys that maybe we don't have to wait till he's 22, 23. This, guy, this is a guy who could be a high riser in the system based on what everybody was talking about, you know, in terms of scouting and, and that sort of thing from an early age.
0: Yeah. So the quickly update his numbers he, he batted 370 that was uh, 34 for 92 when he was in the, the rookie league, the floor complex league, the FCL, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it his first four games in jupiter he was 5 for 17 294 average with one double and rbi drew two walks struck out just three times yeah, so well,
1: pretty, pretty good last, again the, the last one thing again that was that's always the one that perks the ear up is like very few strikeouts i'll I'm always impressed when i see that because that shows you that even if he's not getting the hits but at least he's seeing, you know the approach is probably there he's seeing the ball well discipline at the plate Always, always huge, and you know, and you know, a lot of, with all the guys that we talk about that are striking out a ton. That's always good to see, especially a guy like him, like like you just said. He still, we're you know, we're talking about an eighteen year old with a lot of upside.
0: Yeah, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will recap the week that was, or I guess we could say the week that wasn't for the Do Marlins. We
1: have to.
0: It'll be a very quick recap with. <laughs> more again the continued focus on what's to come beyond the season there you go and with that we will be right back get ready for
2: the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
2: the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
2: Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read PG-13.
0: And we're back, everyone. So, since the last time Andre and I talked, or the last time we put out a podcast... The Marlins have gone a healthy 0 for 7.
1: Healthy. <laughs> I your choice got, of words.
0: They got swept in three games at home against the Atlanta Braves 12 to 2, 2 to 0, and 11 to 9. And then they lost a four game set in Cincinnati 6 to 1, 5 to 3, 7 to 4, and 3 to 1. Did you get all that? Good. The Marlins are now 23 games under 500 heading into this next homestand. But again, at this point, Where's we are. that run
1: differential now.
0: That's a very good question. Something I haven't checked in a while. Give me two seconds and I will pull that up.
1: Is everyone so hung up on the run differential for At, half the season? Where was well, that run differential?
0: Yeah, well, if I remember correctly, the Braves are the only one with a positive run differential in the NL East. And that is still the case. The Marlins they are now. Should be. They're
1: going to win the division.
0: Yeah. The Marlins are now minus 35, which is still ahead, which is ahead of only the nationals who are minus 52 and who the Marlins will host for the next three games. So, uh, then,
1: so who wins the race for the higher pick? Big series this week between the between the Marlins and the Nets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is basically between this series and the three games they play in DC. This is going to determine who gets last place.
1: Unless got gotta, gotta keep streaking. Gotta keep streaking to get higher in that uh, draft order.
0: Yeah. But and also again, if you're a mistake, remember the Mets are still sliding too. They're they're are on, only two games, they're two games under 500 right now. The Marlins yeah, play them ten times, yeah. they've been Again, as of right now, the Marlins are fighting for fourth to try yeah. to avoid last place. Right now,
1: are but, they though?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Marlins are. Or should we say change. they're fighting? Well, they're fighting for fourth, fourth place in the draft order. Aha!
0: Uh, I see what you're doing there, Andre.
1: Yeah.
0: But again, <laughs> at this point of the year, just as as just has been the case for many of the last few years, this time of year is more about seeing what you have, seeing these young guys who are up here and trying to just get that gauge for the future. And the Marlins do have some pieces that they still need to continue to get the gauge on. Uh, two outfielders in particular, of uh, Brian De La Cruz, who they acquired from the Houston Astros in the Yemi Garcia trade, Jesus Sanchez, who returned after missing about a month while he was on the COVID IL. I want to start with De La Cruz first because I – came in when he made his debut on uh, July 30th. I was basically like, okay, let's see what's going, what's going to happen with this guy. He's batting 75 at bats in, he's hitting 307, two home runs. He has hits in all but about a handful of games. And he started basically every game he's been up here. I mean, long-term he's most likely going to be a fourth outfielder, but for a first, first month, and especially after being a minor leaguer for seven years, grinding through that to, show, show what he's doing right now. It's been, it's been a delight It's been a delightful revelation to see this guy.
1: And it's funny because two of two outfielders have really been two of the highlights within such a, you know, such misery lately. And that was, you know, the way Brinson was coming on strong recently and now De La Cruz, I mean, they they may have found something, like you said, maybe he's the fourth guy eventually right now he's not. And I mean, you can't afford to say he's a fourth guy right now because it's not like you're swimming in that much outfield depth at this level, exactly. But down the road, I mean, this is valuable experience for him right now, and this and and the fact that he's responding and this is major league level pitching, right now, that's tremendous. I mean, this is, that's a great find for them. You know, overall, in the, in the long run, you never know. Maybe this, maybe he ends up being a piece that they weren't expecting initially. So again, it's it's definitely one of the silver linings on 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 a season that's really had not much of it.
0: Yeah, and the other outfielder, Jesus Sanchez, he got that. He got his chance back in uh, mid June. Played pretty solid for that month before the All Star break, and then right when he comes back, he's on the IL, gone for about a month. Made his return on August sixteenth. Had two really sluggish games against the Braves in his return, and then his final at bat in that Brave series hits a big two run home run in the ninth inning as the Marlins try to claw back in that game that went from looking like a complete blowout to being only an 11, nine loss, which again, the final score showed it Deceiving. being a lot closer than that game actually, what re- actually was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Deceiving. But, they did have, they did have a few games that were tight and, and were close. I know like Sandy pitched another good game, you know, in, in Cincinnati and unfortunately, you know, they had no offensive backup in that one and weren't able to pull it off, but it's just yeah, been a the theme they, all year. It's Yeah. I mean that's the thing. That's why that's why we're talking farm system once again, and and uh, selling hope instead of uh, talking about the major league team. You know, and on on August twenty third.
0: Yeah, but with back to Sanchez really quickly, he hits that home run that final home game against Atlanta, and then he's basically he's hit he has at least one hit, or I think it's the tally is uh, four hits over his last four starts. Works some pretty good play appearances, and again, this is a guy who. We saw got a guy taste of last year only had 25 at bats and things started to struggle and he looks a lot more comfortable and confident both at the play and in left and right field. And at this point, it's let's see what happens over these final six weeks with him as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I, and again, it goes back to evaluation completely in that. And another guy, I mean, transitioning here, I know you really wanted to talk about Trevor Rogers. And, you know, you were able to talk to him. You, you had a one-on-one interview with him in Cincinnati. And, again, a big piece of the Marlins' future. And a guy who, you know, with the season he was having, has had a really rough month. So I'll let you tell everybody what you, you know, what what you guys talked about. But before you do, just want to say, hang in there, Trevor, and we're we're, you know, we're pulling for you, man.
0: Yeah, I need to echo that as well. Trevor has been on the... First, it was the family medical emergency list in, on August 3rd, then got moved to the bereavement list on August 10th. And then, because you're only allowed to be on each of those lists for a week, seven days max in, in a span, on the, on August 17th, the Marlins moved him to the restricted list. Uh, he's been with the team for about a week now, coming back. He, again, hasn't pitched since the end of July, but he went through so much over a two-week span that I – I commend his strength. I have no idea how he's functioning and focusing on baseball at this point in time. Uh, Just the really quick synopsis, because I'm actually going to play the audio and let Trevor explain everything himself. Uh, Both his parents tested positive for COVID-19. There was a real ordeal there. Both of them are, as of now, they are both okay. And also in that two-week span, both of his grandfathers died, passed away. It was, I, again, in a two week span for, for one guy to see all of this unfolding in front of him while also in the back of his mind thinking I'm still potentially in a running for rookie of the year. And for him, basically he made the right call. He stepped away from, from baseball for a few weeks, went and made family the priority, which is and should be the priority in this case. And now he's working his way back. His ultimate hope is to be back for the final Two to three weeks of the season, he has to throw a couple bullpen sessions. Has to probably make a, a rehab start or two, down, likely down in Jupiter, just to get the innings under him before he comes back. But Trevor, just want to say, hey, first off, first off, I'm we're here for you. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. And secondly, I want to say thank you for taking the time and giving me the opportunity to to get your story out there and everything that happened. And with that said here's trevor rogers to explain everything in
2: much more detail it's been a really tough two weeks you know uh, my mom my both my parents got covid and my, my dad made it out all right then uh, my mom was doing well um and then kind of got she got pneumonia from it and it kind of slowly went downhill and, when I was here, I was just co- contacting my dad, just, all right, what's going on? And then, um, I forget who, we I think it was against the break. No, Anyway, I forget, We were someone against uh, at home, and he said my mom got airlifted to another hospital to, to put on a ventilator. So, I mean, when you hear that, and your mom's not breathing on her own, and she's sedated, um, kind of the last thing I want to think about is baseball. So I went back home and just spent time with my with my dad because it really hit him hard. And there was there was a few moments where it got it got really scary. Like man, I think the worst of the worst might happen. But my mom, freaking tough woman, she battled a lot of prayer, a lot of answered prayer, and uh, she got through it. And, Thank God she she made it home yesterday and uh, on top of that I lost both of my grandfathers within a week of each other so it was just like one thing on top of another and it was tough you know it, it sucked but I know that both my grandfathers are in a better place and they're not uh, suffering anymore and, and my mom's back home so... It was, it was a tough two weeks, and you know, I was just happy to talk to my mom again and see that she was doing better. And, so yeah, it, was, it could have been a lot worse, but uh, she made it yeah, man, This organization has been unbelievable, um, from Jeter to Kim to Donnie to Mel to Brian. Daniel even reached out a few times. I mean, all my teammates, like, everyone reached out. Like, take your time. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Uh, It's something that meant a lot to me, and it's something I I won't forget ever. This this organization is, like, it's my extended family. I I, I truly believe that. All right, and
0: once again, I just want to thank Trevor Rogers one last time for being so open and willing to... Explain everything that's been going on. I know that was not easy in the slightest and we're hoping for the best for everything moving forward. And yeah. And to wrap up the show on a little bit more of a brighter mood, bright on a lighter tone, uh, I have to give a big congratulations to good old Miguel Cabrera. Hit home run number 500 on Sunday. And this is a long time coming. And for the former Marlin now Detroit tiger, Miggy, congratulations, Ben.
1: Yeah. I mean, it took me back thinking about that. You know, I mean, we always talk, we always remember Miggy, what he did in 03 and as a, as a rookie and everything. But and I, got, I had memories of going to, to the parade back in the day and, and seeing him on the float. And, and, and like you look at Miggy now and you're like, wow, like you just, <laughs> you remember when Miggy had the, the baby face and he was just 20 years old. And what an amazing career. And that's not, let's not forget, Triple Crown winner. You know the 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 of the the only one of this era. I mean, it is just remarkable enough. But now 500, and I hope he gets the 3,000. Darn it, because he he's is. he's he's knocking on there. And I don't know if he has enough time to get it done this season. It's going to be close. But if he doesn't, I hope he can come back next year and 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 eclipse that mark before he calls it a career.
0: Yeah, he's 45 hits away, 2,955.
1: He's going to be close. Yeah. It's
0: about thirty-five yep. games left in the season. Yep, that would be He's to go
1: on a tear. I mean, if he gets hot, maybe he can do it. But let's say if he comes up a few, a few hits short, love that. Would love to see him come back next season. And the Tigers have been better this year, so it'd be good if he was still a part of that. Comes back next year, maybe nice little three thousand chase in, in April.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely going to be fun to see. We'll have to watch that as that unfolds. And on that note, that's going to wrap it up for, for us this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. We will be back again next week. Thanks so much, everyone.